I just want to... I'd rather start when she's not doing that, but I don't want to interrupt her process because she's... she's I think she's fine. Are you fine? She yes. said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Introduce the show, please. Um, this is We Watch Dead People. I'm Emma. I'm Will. Um, we're, Took a week off last week. We did. We went on vacation. Yep. It was so, nice. It was. But we're back. We're back in the saddle. We're back in the saddle now with our podcast where we talk about horror movies. And we, well, we were on vacation. We watched a new movie and... Well, we will kind of get into whether or not it's actually horror. We both thought it would be fun to talk about. Oh, I think, yeah. It's, yes. It's, I agree. And because we were on vacation, we got to see it in a theater, which, like, first yeah. time in a while was cool. Yeah, it was an Alamo draft house, it was an which Alamo I've never draft. been to. So they were good COVID precautions, but then it was also fun because you get to, like... Well, there was like no. It's a movie lovers movie. Theater. Yeah, like everything that I would want in a movie going experience, they had thought of, and that was fun. Yeah, but they are also one of the only theaters that aren't just playing like, and I'm not disparaging these movies, but like Shang Chi or Free Guy. They had this sort of more artsy movie that mm-hmm. had won the Palme d'Or at mm-hmm. the Cannes Film Festival. It's um, Julia. I'm gonna butcher all these pronunciations. Julia de Cournau's Titan. Titan. Titan is written and directed by Julia Ducorno. Yeah, I'll Ducourneau? also just say we called it Titan up until I just looked up the French, yeah. French pronunciation, which yep. is more like Titan. And I, I have no doubt that I'm going to oscillate between them, so I'm sorry. I, they can't see it, but the way you raised your eyebrows <laughs> when you said Titan. I mean, you took <laughs> French in high school, right? Yeah, a little in college. Right. I didn't. I was in Spanish all the way, so... You know, I don't have any of that flair that you're, well, the way you say it clearly just rolls off your tongue. That's very kind of you. Well, tell us <laughs> what these weird Frenchies, oh, that's um, what they've got well, going on. Well, so it was her second. Yep. Yeah. Which I have not seen her first, but you have, mm-hmm. which was raw. Yes. Um, it's a very upsetting movie. And Titan is described as a body horror film. Uh, it stars Agathe Roussel. Her first movie. Her first movie, which she, is crazy. They, um, uh, Julia Ducourneau found her on Instagram. What was she doing on Instagram? She's a model. Oh, well, she, I mean. She's very striking looking. She's so. very striking looking and she did an awesome job. Like whether or not you liked the movie, you have to agree her performance is <laughs> jarring. Well, well, we'll get into it, but she, particularly in the second half of the movie, she has a really crucial tool for acting sort of mm-hmm. taken off the plate for her by mm-hmm. virtue of how the characters developed and 
Um, so she has to do a lot more physical stuff to convey her her thoughts and feelings and she does an impressive she job. does a very impressive job so it stars her and then also vincent linden right yeah i yeah. he's um i don't know a ton about him but he's been around for a while he's a, a known french actor okay just not known to us because we're not french yeah yeah we're uncultured we're uncultured we can't speak french well you no i can't right but anyways <laughs> um, so i think We'll just sort of, before we even get into the movie, um, well, no, because I think talking about this, I was going to ask about, is it horror or not? But we should talk about a little about what the movie's about, because knowing what it's about is integral to the question of if it's horror or not. Sure. So I, I think that there are like several layers of synopses that you can be given, um, depending on how much spoiler you may want or not want. Um, Neon, the distributor for the movie, which notably distributed Parasite as well, which Ooh. also won the Palme d'Or. So they, Neon sort of positioning itself as like, we're going for these edgy international movies and going to see if they can land with mainstream audiences. Parasite did. I can promise you this one will not. <laughs> but, um, and I liked it. So that's not, not, that's not a knock. It's just way fucking weirder. Um, but the Neon, Neon synopsis reads, Titan. A metal highly resistant to heat and corrosion with high tensile strength alloys often used in medical protheses due to its pronounced biocompatibility. So there you go. It's like you've you've seen the movie. (laughs) Well, no, that doesn't tell you anything. I wrote wrote like a synopsis that I don't think has any spoilers in it, if I can read, because I read that one and I was like, (laughs) okay, quirky, you know. Um, mine just says, a uh, young woman, Alexa, Alexia. Oh no. Oh my gosh. Sorry. Oh, that, ding, I ding, that. that infernal contraption. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. Uh, that con- contraption. Just keep my going. My older sister, Marie, has this like joke going on with herself that Will just talks like an old man. And if you pay enough attention, he does. And it's in little snippets like that where you just can't help but but laugh because her joke's real. Okay. okay. A young woman, Alexia, who was in a car accident as a young child and thus has a titanium plate in her head, is cold and unfeeling to the world around her. Through a series of events, which I will not spoil right now, she begins living with a man who desperately wants to feel. Yeah. That's what I got. pretty good. Thank you. It's pretty good. Okay, so it's categorized as a body horror film, and you've seen Julia Ducourneau's first film, Raw, which you say, like, is pretty classic body horror. Well, yes and no, I guess. It's, um... It's a movie about a girl um, played by a French actress named Garance Molier or something like that. It's her first movie, and she has a brief role in Titan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, she does. Um, and then she goes to veterinary school and is a vegan when she goes in, and then she becomes a cannibal. <laughs> um, and But right, but body horror is that like... You know, the human body is being manipulated on screen to basically cause what, like psychological distress to the audience, right? Yeah, so, I mean, the the most famous person to have done it is David Cronenberg, and I mean, basically, the idea is in large part that the human body is something that we're all 
familiar with. We all have one, mm-hmm. but its processes are completely autonomous. We're not involved in the process of the body at all. What um, do you mean? Like all of the stuff that's going on within us oh, is happening oh, without our conscious right. input. Okay, like my blood pumping and stuff. Yeah, and so okay. the, the idea of body horror extends in large part from the fact about how weird it is to have a human body. Oh, seriously? And, and particularly when it starts doing abnormal things. So in the case of Raw, she's sort of like, she's having her sexual awakening, and so this is sort of like transmitted through this idea about her eating people. Um, but like in Cronenberg's movies like The Fly, I mean, um, a lot of people have read it as an allegory for AIDS or other mm-hmm. sort of like um, diseases that erode the body. Yeah. Did and we did we do that for this podcast? No, we just watched it. We just watched it? Because I, I love that movie. Oh, man. So, I mean, so in the, in the case of Titan and we're... If you don't want stuff spoiled, I mean, this isn't going to be like end game spoiler. It's stuff that a lot of people know about the movie, but still, the there are a couple things that are at play for the body horror element. Mm-hmm. The, the chief among them, though, is that um, the main character has a, an intense fixation with cars, a la Cronenberg's crash. Um, and early on in the movie, she has sex with one and then becomes impregnated by it. And her body begins to, like, leak motor oil, and her protruding pregnant belly sort of has metal that starts to sort of peek out of the skin. Well, that's getting into spoiler territory. You just just seem to suggest in the outline that you might think that this isn't a body horror film. No, it is a body horror movie. I just, I, I think my... And horror is in the word, so, I mean, maybe I shouldn't overthink it. Mm -hmm. And the movie has a lot of upsetting imagery. Yes. But I don't know that... uh, I guess it just would depend on your personal definition of horror if you would think this movie is a horror movie. Yeah, I mean, Um, I guess where I'm coming from, I haven't seen Raw, but what you've described to me about it feels disturbing enough, and the Cronenberg that I have seen has disturbed me, but I guess when I looked up and read the definition of body horror, it made me think of things like um, like the human centipede or tusk. Do you know what I mean? Well, Where it's those like a are lot body of... horror movies, okay. but they're, so they can go to different extremes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think, and I guess, I guess, you know, I am overthinking it because the fly at the end of the day is like sort of a melancholy drama. It just has this grotesquerie in it. Oh, yeah. And Titan is also kind of a melancholy drama and it just has serial killing and a woman impregnated by a car. Yeah, but it doesn't have Jeff Goldblum. No, it does not. But it has a lot. Can you imagine? I cannot. But it does have a lot else going for it um, uh, that... I don't know. I just, I, I think a lot of people will be put off by the strangeness of the movie. Um, and, oh, I'm sorry to double back. I realized hmm. something I was going to say before. What? That an interesting element of the body horror in this and... In this as in Titan. Okay. Is there's a... And there are undoubtedly more intelligent and more thoughtful and more qualified people than I who have spoken about this. But the... Um, gender fluidity in the movie oh. and how how Alexia is dealing with that 
You think that's body horror? Well, I mean, it's... She's I un- don't. She's, but... she's uncomfortable in her own body. I mean, that's... Yeah. I think it's using body horror as a means of commenting on that process. It's not to suggest that it's horrific. Mm-hmm. It's just to be in your own body and not feel comfortable with it, I think, is... Yeah. Again, it's a central tenet of the genre, but it's uh, the first time I can think of that it's really played to gender and a person's gender identity, um, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, I don't know if I'm fully on board with you that it's really playing with her gender identity, I guess, but I hear what you're saying, and I do agree that she doesn't feel comfortable in her body, and I think that is interesting that that is explored. Well, I think that you could read... No, I see why you're reading it the way you're reading it. I'm just saying I didn't read it that way. Okay. And I mean, yeah. there's stuff that happens later in the movie that I could use to uh, further my point, but yeah. I don't think we sh- I, I should I mean, do just that right ultimate now. takeaway before we get into like deep spoiler territory, I would say if you have the opportunity to see this film, um, you should, especially mm-hmm. if it's on a big screen. I don't think it's one of those films that 100% needs that, but I really enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it's going to be like a film that I go back to every year or every other year, but it did sit with me for a few days and it gave me a lot to like chew on. Yeah. And I think, I think at least, um, as it compares to raw, it's definitely more ambitious in its scope and its mm. ideas. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it always works. Um, Ducor now has, she, she plays with ambiguity in a way that, um, I wasn't always satisfying. It didn't, it didn't always feel like she was doing it on purpose. Like maybe she didn't know how to fill in this gap or that gap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I agree with you. Um, but like you, it still sat with me and there's some striking, there are some striking moments, but not the moments also that you may think of. There are these grisly, horrific moments, and those aren't the ones that have stuck with me. It's sort of the more human hmm. um, elements that we'll get into in the second half yeah, of the I movie. Yeah, I want to hear specifically what those are when we go through it. Well, without spoiling anything, there's a scene in the toward the end of the movie where a character, there's like a party, and a character sort of steps away from the party and dances alone. And everyone watches, and I won't. Mm. And I thought that stuck I with me. Yeah, too. I don't know why my mind keeps going back to that as like a really just fascinating scene. But I've thought about that way more than I've thought about like a scene Some where a character sp- breaks their own nose on a bathroom sink. You know, like <laughs> which is horrible to watch, and it just it made yeah. me shrivel up in the moment. But it's the other stuff that's stuck with me. So, anyways, shall we talk about the? The meat and potatoes of this <laughs> Yeah, sure. The meat and potatoes. Yeah. I mean, we... Wait, I, I said potatoes. Is that how? Is that <laughs> a part of the I, saying? It's, no, it's just how I... was just mimicking you. Yeah. No, call me a parakeet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay, don't. Um, okay, so the film opens basically with a car wreck. Which Raw does too. Really? Yeah. Huh. Raw, Raw opens with... Does, Julia uh, DeCorno have any have something about car wrecks? I don't know. And like how they transform people? I don't <laughs> I don't know. But I mean the I don't know if Raw begins with the actual driving before the crash. No, it's sort of um 
No, it's different. Okay. Well, this one does, but you know right away if you've seen enough movies that it's that the scene is going to end in a car crash. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It just has the elements. Um, Alexia is basically a little girl, and her father is in the front seat driving. Obviously, she's in the back seat, and there is so much tension between them, and things just feel so not good that I, as an audience member who has seen films, just knew immediately the resolution had to be a car accident yeah but there's a lot going on in that scene it's an effectively done thing i mean for starters the movie starts actually with shots of like the mechanisms of the car in like extreme close-up mm-hmm. and it's like the metal and it's got it's all lubricated and so it's like this combination of machine and fluid so it again that's sort of getting it's getting in well I know you're just saying my least favorite words, lubricated and fluid and whatever. Keep going. Welcome to body horror. It's all about (laughs) fluids and (laughs) it's gross. Um, So, but then you hear the car, but then it's sort of revealed that the, that like is actually like the little kid (laughs) mimicking it. So you, you sort of get this immediate connection between her and the like, the machine. Yes. Yes, which, absolutely. Like immediately they're linked and her dad is in the front seat and he's getting really annoyed by it. So he just slowly keeps turning up the music, which like such a passive aggressive move. Well, and that's, again, it's sort of a set. It establishes really early on that there's, and without anything really being spoken or done, that there's something really kind of off about their relationship. Well, and that, exactly, nothing's spoken. The lack of communication is an immediate sign that things are just, like, not good. And the way it escalates, that it just keeps going and keeps going, Mm. is just more obvious that something, like, it's not just like, oh, they just had a small fight or something. You know, he picked her up early from the sleepover. It's like, "Mm, no, things are not good in this household. Yeah, so they get in the wreck. And she gets the titanium plate in her head. Yep. And she goes out of the hospital and separates from her parents and hugs the car and kisses, kisses the, the window, the driver's side window, which I thought was interesting because it's sort of there's there are a couple things at play there. And mm-hmm. again, this is where the vagaries come in. And so it's like, what am I reading and what's intended? I don't know. I'll tell you. Well. <laughs> So I think it becomes rather clear as the movie goes on that Alexi is looking for a father figure. And by kissing the driver's side door where her father had been, mm. but it's the car itself, it's sort of like she's filling the void from her father with the car. Uh, but there's, interesting. But then there's also stuff that follows shortly hereafter when they flash forward to her being an adult now that indicates some abuse of a sexual nature between her and her father. Yeah. That you could kind of read into with that embrace of the driver's side door. I mean, so. what I just got from that, because I guess I didn't, I mean, I knew something was wrong with her relationship with her father, but I didn't really uh, think that it was going to be sexual abuse, which, by the way, is not ever really stated, but I would say heavily implied. I there, don't think it's crazy to, like, assume that. No, there's, right? a, there's a scene after she's had sex with the car where her stomach is hurting, and so her dad is apparently a doctor, and there's... The mom is the one who's like, let dad look at you. Yeah, and there's like some awkwardness there, but then when she's he's examining her, he's sort of touching her he's her feeling lo- her abdomen which but is then, but then he goes stomach. to retract his hand and she like pulls it back 
and there's just something very off about it that's yeah. like um it, it just gives you bad vibes yeah but all i just going back a little bit just all that i got from her kissing the car window was was very flat in the sense that i knew because it was buzzing around that this was a movie where a woman has sex with a car where i was just like oh we're just establishing early on that she has a sexual tendency to cars. Well, now she, <laughs> That's that, fine. Now that she has the titanium plate in her head, too, she feels even a greater connection to mm-hmm. them. She's part machine. Yeah. yeah. So when we flash forward, she's now working as uh, an, like erot- a- an erotic dancer at a car show. Yeah. And so men come to, like, ogle the cars, but also ogle the women. And she's sort of flying above that because she's in this, like, sort of, ecstatic state yeah she shows up a little late and she's clear like she's not phoning it in and she's also not doing it for anybody else she's she's getting it on on top of that car she's having a great time Mm, she's a very good dancer but we then shortly thereafter are shown that you know, she's a she's sort of accosted in the parking lot by a fan. Yeah, a fan follows her out afterwards, which you see her like she hops off this car after a very sexual, sweaty dance, and and not just like sexual, like a, you know, like a lap dance or something. It, I I can't stress it enough. It's sexual. She hops <laughs> off the hood of that car, um, and like men are asking for her audiences, right, or her audience. Autograph. Autograph from the audience, excuse me. And so it's like kind of, it's like establishing that she's well known throughout this scene. So a guy follows her back to a parking lot and in, in not into her car, but he's standing right outside her car and he's in like, the oh. window. Yeah. He's like, Oh, I'm such a huge fan, whatever. Um and yeah, accosts her and she And she forces a ki- he forces a kiss on her and And then she stabs him with her hairpin. Right in the ear. Oh, it's the ear? It goes, yeah, yeah, it yeah. goes through his ear into his brain, and yeah. he starts like... Foaming at the mouth? Uh, yeah, I think it's... It's like a foam green, like green... Like some sort of, again, drool. some sort of gross fluid. And so we sort of learned there from there that she's killed a number of people mm-hmm. um, at this point. she's, mm-hmm. And this is to Emma's point early on with her brief synopsis, that she's really cold and detached and... She sort in of a way se- that is almost kind of traumatized. Yeah, but we also, and this is again where I think some of the ambiguity is a little frustrating, which is that she seems sort of cold and detached from the word go in the movie. And that's why I think trying to read in the abuse angle gives some depth to that and yeah, some explanation. A but, we, but, but we never actually get it. She just is. Like confirmation that she was abused. Yeah, so yeah. She, she, she just is cold and detached yeah Um, anyways um so she does she kills this person then goes back in to clean her body from these fluids the did i say her name again you did not okay well we're being listened to folks i mean yeah always you should Uh, just assume but uh she goes back in to clean herself and she hears a loud knock at the door of the locker room and just who, steps and, right out of the shower. And who, yeah, she walks nude. It sort of has a giallo sort of lighting and camera angles and stuff. And she opens the door and who should be there waiting for her but that fire-hooded Cadillac. <laughs> and she climbs on in and they they just fuck their brains out. Ew, <laughs> gross, Will. I, well. Well, that's not well, the... 
What, they make sweet love? What do you no, want to call that? I just don't like the phrase, fuck their brains out. Because the car does, doesn't have a brain. Neither does Fern. She yeah, Well, she's she doesn't like that, is what I'm saying. Yeah. But, yeah, it's really weird. It's yeah, weird I scene. don't even want to attempt to explain how her and the car have sex. You can just go see it if you well, want. Well, I think you have to suspend your disbelief. I don't know. I'm not saying I didn't <laughs> believe that she was having sex with the car. I'm saying I'm not going to put it into words right now. Yeah, so... After she has sex with the car, that's yep. sort of when we learn that about the serial killing and she has this encounter with her dad where he's checking her abdomen. Um, but then she sort of, she tries to find satisfaction, sexual satisfaction, that is, elsewhere. She has uh, sort of like a, a hookup with a a, another exotic dancer played by the star of the movie Raw. Mm-hmm. And, it, she and gets, they are like having a decently normal time i guess as far as dates go and they seem like they're gonna be getting it on and they are kind of getting it on and then out of nowhere like apropos of nothing um she stabs her with well her same hairpin well you skipped a little bit which what? is where she's like really aggressively biting her Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it looks like it could be a little rough. But it was in that moment, like, between her first killing and this killing, she, you know, she goes home because her dad checks out her abdomen. But while she's at home, you hear over the TV that there have been, like, a series of murders and they don't know where to place them. And I was kind of like, oh, that might be her. But I was, but another part of me, maybe the stupid part, or I, I don't know, but I was like, maybe it's like a false, maybe they're trying to lead us there, but I don't really think that's what this movie is about. But then, one, because the guy had like forced a kiss on her and that's when she stabbed him in the ear. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and even though she didn't seem unbothered by it, it still felt like there was reason, kind of, I mean, extreme action, but reason enough. But with with this other dancer... There's, there's not, it feels like it comes out of nowhere, or it felt like it came out of nowhere to me. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's, you probably can just read it as frustration at her inability to sort of feel as though she's having a normal sexual experience. Mm. Like she can't have one. Oh yeah. I like that interpretation. And then she kills this girl, but then there are other people in the house so she has four roommates and that scene is sort of weird because yeah. then it then it it's really gruesome and but it's almost played for laughs there's like sort of a pop music needle drop and then there's some like well roommates keep coming out of different rooms and she's like sighing like oh how many more one. people am i gonna have to kill tonight yeah. i mean goodness you know so it was a little strange yeah it wasn't my favorite scene it was a little i, I again, it just was it just, a little out of out of vibe yeah but then so she escapes and so does somebody else in the house so she goes back to her home and sets it on fire killing her parents Mm -hmm. Um, and she makes eye contact with her dad before she locks him in his bedroom to burn to death so again i think there's there's something going on there's some unresolved trauma there for (laughs) sure i think it would be safe to say so yeah but she goes on the on the lamb and she (laughs) ends up at like a bus terminal or an airport or something yep and she sees a sign for a 
boy who has just been in the news because he's been missing for 10 years. Yeah, so it's kind of that. And we've seen it as like we've cut to TV screens or people have been watching TV in the background, whatever, that they're reporting like it's been 10 years since this guy's been missing. And you keep seeing the image of his face being aged, Mm -hmm. right? Like here's a picture of him as a child. Here's what he might look like now. And so she gets to this bus terminal. She sees it. Again, we as the audience have seen it a few times and she really looks at it. And then on the other side of that poster is basically like a picture of her. Like, have you seen this person? She killed people. Look out for her. Yeah. Yeah. And then she goes back and looks at the boy's picture. And then she goes into the bathroom and looks at herself in the mirror. Mm -hmm. And she cuts her hair. And Mm -hmm. to she's a rather striking person really angular face mm-hmm. and a sharp nose. And mm-hmm. so to sort of um, obscure some of those features, she breaks her own nose against the bathroom sink. It's oh, quite, but she doesn't just break it. Well, against she tries the to punch herself she, in the face several times. And then she sort of turns her head. So her nose is leveraged against the sink and she snaps the shit out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's very unpleasant. Yeah. Um, I closed my eyes for that final drop down into the sink. I, hmm. I was feeling my my Alamo draft house snackies in my tummy. Yeah, it was on. It was gross. Um, but so then she, it's sort of unclear if she turns herself in or what. But she's in the police station, and we're introduced now to the new character Vincent, played by Vincent Linden. Um, Coincidence and, that his name is Vincent? Yeah, no, I guess it doesn't matter. But. Um, He's told by a police officer that they believe they found his son and they offer to do a DNA test and he says, you know, I think I can recognize my own son. I think I know my son. They pull the blinds up and you see Alexia there and he he sort of nods and they go home together. Yep. And so this is sort of when Agat Roussel's um, performance takes on another dimension because she... To avoid divulging Being found out that she's not his son, she doesn't... She doesn't speak. Yeah. She goes mute, which she's... I think it's heavily implied as a result of some sort of unspoken trauma. Well, Vincent even says, he's like, oh, he he doesn't talk. I looked it up. It's normal. He's traumatized. Yeah. But it means then that Agathe Roussel had to do all this physical acting with her eyes, with her expressions with her body Mm. and it's really impressive stuff. It is incredibly impressive and I think it's a very nice juxtaposition right away that Vincent, who's now her dad, um, is giving her room and time and process or time to process the trauma that he thinks his son has gone through, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, it's perfectly normal. He needs time. We're giving him time. I love you. You know, he's like very there for her and it's like, it's okay if you're traumatized. Yeah. But we also learn soon that Vincent has a whole host of his own problems. He's the captain of a fire station and which I did not get right away in the first interaction with one of the firemen. I really thought it was going to be like a mob type situation. <laughs> like the relationship between all these firemen is very much, I mean, maybe this is how firefighters are, I guess, but it's like we're family and they all live together. Do you know what I mean? They're all at the firehouse and it's just like Well, again, I think it's sort of where some of this gender stuff comes into play because mm-hmm. it's very masculine and it is all men. And Vincent is an older man struggling to hang on to his manhood. He injects himself repeatedly with anabolic oh, steroids yeah. and 
and then just goes and works out. Yeah, and his body, but it, but he, his body's clearly failing him in this regard. Um, and uh, Alexia, undercover as this boy Adrian, sort of has to try and assimilate, and does so very uncomfortably. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that it's not hard to see some metaphor there. Mm. Um, but this is sort of where the movie kicks into a different gear and one that I found much more enjoyable, which is Vincent is trying to connect with this person that he believes to be his son. And in doing so, this sort of like, I know this is going to sound cheesy and it's cheesier than it's presented in the movie, but Alexia is a life taker who then as a result of, as a result of her living with Vincent becomes more of a life saver. Um, I guess you see her give one person CPR, but you can tell that there's a change. I mean, she has developed, there's, there's this, yeah, they have a closeness of relationship. And again, I think that goes back to him being like open and allowing her to express and deal with her trauma in any way that she would like. And you're talking about the firehouse being the super masculine environment, which it totally is. And the other firemen definitely give her a little bit of grief because as she presents as a boy, she's quite scrawny and lanky. You know, she's like yeah. lanky and tall and clearly not a buff fireman. But Vincent is like, you have to, like, he belongs here too and whatever and is trying to create space. Well, and again, I think this goes back to what I was saying at the beginning that about the how you read this as a movie about gender I- identity, excuse me, because as the movie goes on, it, it's... It sort of becomes clear that Vincent is more aware of the possibility that this is not his son, Mm -hmm. or at least as he knew him. And so this sort of acceptance of somebody who is not not what they're presenting to be, or Mm -hmm. I'm trying not to, I hope I don't sound offensive or anything. It's just... He he's very accepting of who Adrian is. Yeah, no, I ma- agree. no matter who they are. Yeah, you know? I know. And, I think- and he says that, but I I took that very much just on the level of it being about processing trauma because I agree with you that it did become much more interesting of a movie to me in this switch when Vincent takes Alexia under his wing and Alexia is posing as Adrian, um, but then it turns and becomes this. Does he know? Does he not know? And it takes a while to be confirmed of whether or not Vincent is aware that that's not actually Adrian. Well, I think that's going on parallel to what I think the movie is really about, which is them finding one another and accepting one another. They're they're two very broken people. Yeah. And they find new family. Now it's done in this really... Uh, bizarre way in which there's a lot of pretend and um, not acknowledging of certain realities um, such as the fact that this is clearly not his son Um, but the movie's ultimately about them becoming a family together and so that does he know or does he know ultimately almost becomes irrelevant because he doesn't even really care Um, this is this is his family no matter what and, but it's not all, you know, it's not all cheery because this movie's still very fucked up. So while this all yeah. is going on, 
Alexia is becoming more and more visibly, visibly pregnant, pregnant because right. of the car. And, and she was beginning when she went undercover as Adrian is binding her breasts, right? Um, but then she has to bind her breasts that are growing because she's pregnant as well as her pregnant yeah, Belly. and it's quite painful. Oh, it looks aw- like she takes them off. You don't really see her take them off, but you see just the welts yeah. of where well, the bindings were. And, and there's a there's a thing that um, Ducorno recycles from Raw, um, which is very upsetting in both movies, mm. which is there's a scene where Alexia starts to really aggressively scratch herself. Like she has an itch that she can't, she can't scratch. And ultimately, it gives way to something kind of horrific. Yeah, the tearing at, peeling of skin gets to me well, usually, but the fact the that sound the sound, <sighs> the repetition, but then what is like doubly horrifying is then when we finally see the results of all that scratching, you're expecting it just to be like a bloody kind of pulpy mess on her side, which would be very disturbing, but instead it's this oily sticky metal underneath yeah jesus christ i mean and she's already been leaking the motor oil so i guess it's not a huge surprise but it's still just pretty shocking it did not sit with me well yeah and while this is going on with her you know the firemen are giving adrian alexia adrian more and more shit yeah particularly one of them who feels like they're being passed aside even though they're a more qualified firefighter Mm-hmm. and Vincent proving once again that he is not a perfect man. Uh, it's heavily implied kills this guy, or at least seriously injures him. He hands him a propane tank in the middle of a fire, and yeah. there's a huge explosion. Um, and we don't ever see him again. We see like a vision of him yeah, very briefly, but, so, but okay. I, I'm pretty certain he's dead. Yeah. Um, and there's also another scene I had scene kind during... of forgotten about that. Yeah. That's... It just comes and goes real quick. Well, and it shows how much other fucking shit there is in this movie that that the killing of a man is like. <laughs> yeah, I know. What? Uh, but then Vincent also during uh, an exercise fire, which is before this propane tank incident, sees a vision of a small child in like a cabinet, uh, burning. Burnt, burnt to a crisp. And I think I think it's again left to your imagination, but it seems to imply to me that. Vincent either knows what happened to his son or is imagining what happened to his son or something of that nature. Either way knows that his son is his true his biological son, son is dead. Is dead. Yeah. Um and so there there are just these you know the I, I I once criticized the movie for being too vague but I appreciate that Ducor now doesn't like feed us all this information on a spoon it's it's yeah, I it guess makes not it, I, I would like to be spoon fed a little bit more just well, a little bit i think it made for stronger character development particularly where vincent's concerned i think he's given a lot more to do um and the movie becomes in many ways significantly more about him in the second half yeah um because alexia is kind of in a position where she's stuck it's She's trying to assimilate, and she's going through this extreme body discomfort, mm-hmm. um, and that's. But she's connecting with Vincent, yeah. And even uh, she thinks about trying to escape, but d- 
doubles back and then ultimately kind of nurses him after he has an overdose on steroids. Yeah. So it's just like the connection is there between them, what yeah. whether they expected it or not. And it's kind of the change up I think kind of felt came when um Vincent is then visited by his ex-wife who it's unclear if he told that like Adrian's back or what it is whatever is happening but she comes and like kind of it doesn't seem like she's fully expecting to see Adrian but I see a glimmer of hope in her and then she sees Alexia and is like oh okay like immediately kind of knows what's going on without knowing all the details like but then, but then, like a minute later, sees that Adrian is in fact this this woman. That's what I'm saying. She no. looks at her, and I think even before she comes, because she barges into the room, and Alexia is undressing and is obviously pregnant, and she's like, "Look, I don't know." The wife is like, "The ex-wife is like, I don't know how you got here and whatever, but like, wish you the best, whatever." I think even before that, when she, because she goes and she hugs, yeah, that's what Alexia that's, and I'm we're saying. We're saying the same thing that she already knew. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's it just sort of speaks to Vincent's uh, willful decision to not recognize that this is not actually his son. Yeah, I mean, in that way, he's kind of using Alexia to to kind of help heal him or deal with his trauma. Yeah, I'm and, not saying and, use necessarily and, in a bad way, and, I guess, but he and Alexia is doing the same thing. I mean, yeah, and, she needs shelter and to not be found by police. And so again, it's this fucked up found family thing. They sort of have both come to this situation with ulterior motives and done terrible things, bad things, um, but it works for the two of them, and that's sort of why they they get this this relationship. Yeah, I didn't buy the it works for them. As much as you did. I mean, I get that it's presented like it works for them. And I think there is some really interesting emotion in their relationship, friendship, whatever it is. Um, But just as a viewer from the outside, and maybe I was too rooted in my own world and not like invested in the world of the film enough. But I was like, okay, it seems like they're happy, but... No, it doesn't do it for me. Well, it wasn't satisfying for me to watch them need each well, other. Well, I it's, thought I thought it was uh, affecting. It was emotionally effect, emotionally affecting. And I think part of it is that it obviously, I mean, I say it works, but it's not it works for them, but it's not health, it's not healthy. It's not good. Um they both have a lot of problems that they're sort of leaving unaddressed chief among them being that she's pregnant with a car baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and those issues then are pushed to the fore at the conclusion. Yeah, that's what I'm, That's part of what it was for me is that it was really hard for me to get into this relationship that they're building when there's just a lot of other shit that I was still wrapping my mind around, I guess. Well, the, the things that they're not dealing with are what was swimming in my head as they need each other, right? I guess maybe, and maybe it's because I am a woman, but a lot of my brain space during the movie was taken up by the fact that she is pregnant with a car baby. And I know it does kind of become like an aside at some point, but it just just didn't for my brain. Do you know what I mean? Like as I was watching. I get what you mean. And it's such a shocking, I mean, even apart from, I'm not a woman, of course, but the fact that she's 
pregnant with a car baby is sort of a distracting detail that's hanging over stuff in the movie. And so when it, when it isn't being acknowledged, it's sort of, it's itching at your mind. Yeah. It just, it pulled my focus. I see what you mean. Yeah. I'm not critiquing. I just think maybe it, I think part of it is that maybe I didn't watch it fully or, or following the correct breadcrumbs do you know what i mean i don't think that there's a correct way to watch a movie or especially not one like this i mean it's open-ended on purpose yeah um but in that i thought that the ending which you know it's they've developed this relationship seems like they need each other and then the inevitable happens which is what i've been thinking about the whole time is that she gives birth i will say that before she gives birth there's another illusion to the fact that she may have been abused by her birth father. Oh, really? Well, she kisses. She sort of gives Vincent a romantic kiss, and he doesn't react to it in a way that he's oh, not reciprocated. Yeah, there's a and lot it's al- of- it's almost like that's the way that she thinks she should be um, appreciating her mm-hmm. father figure. There it's were some weird. other kisses though in this movie, like kissing of cheeks or meeting of people. That I was like. Is this... Is it just French or is it something yeah, weird? Yeah, <laughs> that's honestly, that's what I was thinking of is where I was like, do I just not get... I, I know I've seen the thing where French people kiss each other on the cheek. So is that what's happening? Because if so, it feels like more. It feels more than and that. And it yeah. probably was. I mean, I guess we At least in certain we'd points. We'd have to like, ask her, but... Well, she like... So in Raw, there's definitely... Um, there have been people who have seen... A subtext of incest and she oh yeah you and, were telling me about and this. she has said that's not what she was going for no right and i wonder if she would say <laughs> it again for this movie because it definitely seemed i saw it in raw i don't know if i but it was the main you, thing but like i feel like we were talking about this because you said you had listened or read some interview with her where she was talking about what is like taboo Mm-hmm. And that's what makes things scary or suspenseful or something. I can't remember the full details, but one of them was incest. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, I think it was... Uh, yeah, I can't remember exactly what that was. Okay, it was I'm like, sorry for bringing it up then. No, I just feel like... It's like the taboos are... I think that was somebody else. And it oh. was it was they were saying that the taboos in movies are cannibalism, incest, and murder or something and yeah like raw for instance has all three well uh, it, it, yeah, and yeah according to some yeah. anyways so that kiss is definitely that she gives vincent at the end is definitely charged with something um but then she gives birth and she dies she gives birth and i'm trying to remember now if it's like a typical vaginal birth or if the baby comes out of her like a c-section without assisted medical because her the belly her like stretched pregnant belly rips and rips and it had already been ripping where she's like scratching incessantly but it rips and rips and she does have like this metal frame under it so two things i think one i think it is implied that the baby sort of like cracks out of her stomach but we never see that okay okay so we don't i just i had that idea unless i blocked unless i blocked it well that's what i'm saying is that i had that idea in my head but i cannot go back and literally picture it happening the other thing i will say is that uh, to the point we were just making about their sort of oddly sexually charged moments right at the end there's a 
Vincent suddenly flies off the bed and like spreads her legs and she tries to close them and he spreads them again. And then it's clear that after that, that he's trying to help deliver the baby. But the way it's filmed and the way he's acting is definitely indicative of something kind of sexual and it's weird. Oh, really? Yeah. It felt weird. I but didn't that, but see the, that. But then he does help her. I didn't, so it's sort of like... I didn't get the weird sexual vibe from him spreading her legs. I got very much back to when he was teaching her CPR and he brings her along on the job and helps her like go through the motions of saving um, like an old woman who has fainted, basically. Using it, the Macarena. Yeah, well, to keep pace, yeah. yeah. You can't just throw that in and not explain To keep pace with the CPR. But um, to me, that, that like physical thing that he jumps into and he's kind of forceful, I very much read it as like, oh, he's in life-saving mode. Okay. I, That's how I read I it. I just thought after the kiss there was something, it read oddly to me, but I don't know, maybe I was just... No, no, I, I'm. Sh- it's a fair read. I'm just saying that was. Here's mine. <laughs> yeah. So, she dies in childbirth, <clears throat> and then Vincent takes the baby, which has. You only uh, see the back, back side. It, of. it has like a titanium spine. Yeah. And he tells it that he's gonna be there for it. And, and then, then it's over. Yeah. Which was like a crash boom ending to me as someone who the whole time was like, I really like, I see that they're developing a relationship and dealing with some trauma, but all I can focus on is that she's pregnant and we're going to have to do something about that. And then it finally comes that they do something about it and then it's over. Do you know what I mean? So just in mm-hmm. the story arc or the roller coaster that I was riding, it was just all of a sudden like you go down the big drop and then it's like, boom, end over. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. It's... um. It does, it, it, as we said, that sort of um, really, uh, this this plot detail that's sort of it, itching at your brain this whole time because it's weird and it's hard not to fixate on, it, it just resolves itself pretty quickly right at the end. And um, it's mean, not necessarily a bad thing. It just, it was like kind of jarring. I was like, oh, it's over now. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, and I also want to say like, I don't think my fixation on it necessarily was the fact that she was pregnant via a car. Like that's weird. And if you think about it too long, whatever. But I guess I was just thinking about it from the perspective of of a woman being alone, having to deal with this pregnancy in a very male space. Like that's, I wasn't like, oh my God, what's the baby going to look like up until she started giving birth? And then I was like, wait, what is this baby going to look like? More for me was just like the kind of growing and unable to hide and the discomfort of her still trying to hide it when everyone around her has kind of accepted. Well, not everyone, but Vincent for sure. And I think that that's yeah, that there's no reason for her to continue to hurt herself. Well, other than not wanting to either embarrass Vincent with the other firefighters mm-hmm. um, or reveal herself, her true identity, because the reason that Vincent sort of 86 is that other firefighter is because he becomes suspicious that Alexia may in fact be um, oh, yeah. Alexia. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, not yeah, just the, not Adrian's yeah, son, but, but, but it may actually be this wanted killer. Yeah. Um, so there are there are reasons that she would still be in hiding, but but not if Vincent accepts her, she could just stay in the house, and never leave. Yeah. But I, I guess except it, it would embarrass him. Yeah. 
And so she feels an obligation to him. I mean, I, I think I'll need to see this movie again because I feel like there was a lot going on that um, I wasn't able to process after just one watch. And I'd like to give it a one or two more goes for sure to see what else I could glean. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I do think that there's a limitation to it because I just have the feeling that there wasn't, there aren't answers to everything in that movie. Um, and there aren't even breadcrumbs to some of the things you'd want answers to. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, I thought it was really a well done movie. It did make me think it was well made. It was well acted. It had some great needle drops. That Future Islands needle drop toward the end. Awesome. <laughs> I Especially do like we, Future Islands. We had seen them in concert like a night or two before. So it was kind of like Whoa. weird symmetry. Yeah. <laughs> um, in our lives. Yeah. So I think it was a very impressive movie. I am. Huh? I, I also think that there's something kind of wonderful about the fact that a movie about a person having sex with a car won the most prestigious film award at the biggest film festival 25 years after David Cronenberg was kind of laughed out of the building for having a movie that was largely about the same thing. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I agree with you in the sense that I think it was impressive. It was well shot. It was well acted. There were some really interesting tidbits. I don't think I'm going to be running back in to see it anytime soon. Um, just because I like when it really gets down to it, I think it's a, I think it's a me thing. And I think maybe body horror in general, but maybe just Titan specifically is not a movie for me because in my journey to kind of enjoy and watch more horror films, I have actually, um, I feel like I've crested crested the wave of being like so terrified that it upsets me to like being so terrified that it's kind of exciting right Mm -hmm. and there was no moment in this movie that did that for me which again maybe goes back to what we're talking about in the very beginning that it's not like body horror doesn't necessarily mean horror horror film but all I'm saying is that uh, it was interesting to watch and it was well acted, blah, 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 all the things. But there, I didn't have any, if we're talking Marie Kondo, there were no sparks of joy for me. And I, I don't know why I would want to watch something that doesn't even bring me a little bit of enjoyment. Okay. Well, how many uh, hairpin stabbing instruments <laughs> out of five? Two and a half. Two and a half. I, again, like I said, Holy I think shit. it, well, it's a personal rating. I know, I just, to. Well, I'm, I'm just, surprised that because you... I'm gonna blow you up on this uh, on this podcast right now. You had shown interest in going to see it a second time whenever we had the opportunity, and we both kind of were oh, like, "Oh, well, ah, there were not, like two movies in the theater playing." I know, but I just I thought it was like either that or what was it? Free Guy, which we've already uh, seen. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just know. I just I don't know. I didn't think it was gonna be two and a half. I don't That's know. All. I was just surprised. I I'm two and a half. Like I said, I think people should watch it. I think it's very interesting. I think it's well shot, blah, 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 well acted, looks good, all of the stuff. I just, two and a half on a very personal level that like, as we've sat here talking about it, I like don't have a moment where I'm like, oh, that was so good. Or like, that was so interesting. Like there's, you know, so it's just personal. And I'm sure you will level it right out for the people listening by saying four out of five. That's correct. Yeah. That would, it Who would knows be four you? for me. You do. I, I We're you know, married. I get what you're saying, though, that there isn't like sort of... Um, for a movie about someone having sex with a car and killing people and stuff, there isn't sort <laughs> of like a scene that 
naturally latches itself onto your mind is like the bravura bravara so how do you say that i word? don't even know what bravura you're trying to sequence b-r-v b-r-a-v-u-r-a sequence bravura i can i don't know i went to charter school I'm, so I'm i got having, nothing i'm for having you. problems it's late but anyway could you use a different word so i know and what it, you're trying to say uh, a really extraordinary sequence of filmmaking. I think the one that I alluded oh. to at the very beginning, toward the end at this firefighter party where the Future Island song plays, and Alexia climbs up on top of a fire engine. She's four. The, they're all like, oh, go dance. It's your turn to have a solo. And and dressed as Adrian. And does but also this, pretty visibly pregnant. Yeah, does this sort of slow very sexual dance very similar to the to the dance she did at the beginning well the dance she did at the beginning is a lot more aggressive there's like twerking and she's like yeah but i mean it's so it's and all the firefighters are reacting with like pure confusion they're just standing there watching her atop this and there's there's something about that sequence that just i've found to be really mesmerizing and funny but also kind of sad and yeah it just it really did a lot it was sad and it stuck with me because i felt sad it was it was well done but i i i appreciate that in a movie that sort of is trying to be as provocative as this one is and i would say self-consciously provocative that it doesn't have a scene that sticks with you i can appreciate why you'd give it a two and a half so thanks babe Mm -hmm. well at any rate that's enough talk about having sex with cars for one <laughs> yeah, night. Yeah, thank you for sticking through and uh, <laughs> listening to yeah, us if you want to listen to more. Oh, well, go ahead. Oh, well, I mean, we have episodes. We have other episodes. Yeah, we do. And you can subscribe to us on your platform of choice so that you're aware of when the new ones come out. And yeah. you can follow us on Instagram so that you can, you know, tell us what you thought or answer the poll questions Emma comes up with and that kind of thing. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm realizing that Titan probably is not available widely for most people, but mm. hopefully this at least put it on your radar so that when it comes out on VOD or you're comfortable seeing it at your local movie theater, if you are, um, you take the chance. Cause I think you would agree that it's still worth seeing. Either. Yeah, no, I've said that from the beginning. Yeah. I do think people should see it. Yeah. So I just, that was my takeaway. <laughs> yeah, super. Well, thank you again for listening to we yeah, watch dead you. people and we'll be back next week. And until then, Um, If you're going to have sex with a car, use protection. Oh, my God. (laughs) Were you thinking about that? Did Mm. you think about that beforehand? I could just, there was all of a sudden, as you were talking, all of a sudden, like, there was a spark in your eye, and I was like, oh, fuck, he's thought of something. No, it's on the fly. And he feels real good about it. It was on the fly, man. That's why you didn't make improv team. I feel away Life will know a better place